welcome along to the Property Academy podcast. I'm your host, Eric Knight. And I'm Andrew Nicholl. And today on the show, we're talking about retiring with debt. Now, this is a great question, which has come from a long-time listener of the show, Jason, who has listened to the show for so long. In fact, I know he once told me that he'd started re-listening uh, to it. Quite. <laughs> Why would you do it to yourself, Jason? But we appreciate it. Now, he was listening to our recent shows with Angela from Invercargill, who had talked about retiring in her 30s. And he's asked, well, how does the bank view it when that happens, when you retire and you've still got some debt? How do the banks view retiring with debt? Will they force you to sell the property because if your income has dropped, you're a bit light on serviceability and are they still going to allow interest only? Now, I thought that was a really good question, so we're going to discuss it. But actually, one thing that I will know about Jason as well is Jason's definitely going to come along to tonight's webinar, Andrew, which I'm really excited about. Absolutely. So if you want to come along with Jason and learn how to avoid those eight things that go wrong in property investment, it's on tonight. Link's in the show notes. We'll go to our website, opuspartners.co.nz. I really hope to see you there. So just walk us through the issue though. You know, what's the kind of crux of the question here, Andrew? So, I mean, the main thing here is when you buy properties, the bank looks at your personal income to see if you can afford the mortgages, right? Now, rental income, after it's gone through the bank's test, which is they minus 25 to 35% or whatever it is, and then they deduct your rates and insurance. Normally, you need a personal income to be able to top it up. Even if, as one of my investors that I'm working with at the moment mentioned the other day, their property portfolio is positively geared, the bank's calculations show it as negatively geared, which means that if you don't have a personal income, they might force you to do things that you don't want to do. And so I suppose the question is, well, how is somebody like Angela going to keep growing a property portfolio if she's retired and doesn't have a personal income? Now, in this instance, what's probably likely the case is that if you've got low debt and because you've started buying 10 years ago, 15 years ago, and you've built up a portfolio, it's yielding okay, you've kept up with market increases to that rent, you still can be in the position where in the bank size, oh yes, I can still lend you money for an extra property, something along those lines, so you're able to keep growing, or you could be working with non-bank lenders so that they are taking a different view of your portfolio and still advancing you the money to keep purchasing properties. But let's say you're working with registered banks. Could the bank force you to sell if you've given up your personal job and you've still got some debt there, Andrew? Do you often see that? No, never. I've never seen that. What can sometimes happen, rather than force you to sell, what they can do is encourage you to sell. So if you fall under the commercial division because of the size of your portfolio, what sometimes banks will do is they'll have an annual assessment of your portfolio. It'll be in their loan documents and they will much more proactively than if you're just normal retail, i.e. two, three rental properties. They will get you in and they'll look at your property portfolio's performance and they'll look at your income and they'll test it. And then what they'll do is encourage you to sell and pay down debts. They'll okay. encourage you. How does that conversation go? We'd like to see your debt level at a 50% LVR and no higher than $3 million, for example. And then what do you have to do? Do you have to look, follow their encouragement? Look, I think it's pretty clear at that point that they want you to do that. So I know of commercial investors that in harder times, uh, particularly post-COVID actually, where that was the conversation the banks were having. And the bank didn't leave any room for interpretation. They wanted them to do it. So you can't say, no, I'm not going to do it. Look, I think at that stage they, they were, you know, if you didn't do this, you know, we 
might force you to do it, but it was, we'll definitely remember this next time you ask to borrow money. So those investors, for example, they did sell down and get their debt level to where the bank wanted and they've since borrowed. Okay, interesting. Now, just before people listening start to get really worried and think, oh my gosh, that's going to happen to me. This is if you're in the commercial division. Oh, this is where, this now, is if you don't know whether you're in the commercial division or not, you're then not. you're not <laughs> in the commercial division. If you're in the commercial division, you know you're in commercial. Yeah, absolutely. That's normally when you've got a significant portfolio or you're investing in commercial properties. Now, I guess the other part to this is the interest only debate. So will a bank let you go interest only when you're retired? Look, the short answer is probably not, but there's exceptions to that. There's been a massive change with the triple CFA and certainly banks now, and I said this to Jason when I replied to his email, the irony of the bank saying, we don't think you can service this debt anymore, so we want you to pay down debt to get into a better servicing position. Well, here's the thing, by paying down debt, you're going to have a terrible cash flow compared to interest only, but that's what they want you to do, thinking that, well, I don't even know if they even believe it. Like if you're paying off you know, a mortgage over 20 years because you're retired and you don't have any personal income anymore, more, you're hardly going to make a dent in your debt over the next few years, are you? Yeah, long answer is, of course, it also depends on your rental income. If your rental income is really, really high compared to your debt, you've still got a chance at it because it depends on whether you're still able to afford the principal repayments after your interest-only period ends. And what it means by that is often a bank might say, okay, we'll approve a 30-year term. The first five years are going to be interest-only. Now, you, ex- you use those and then they might say, right, we're going to approve another five years interest-only, but then the loan term shortens to 20 years. And so on and so forth. And if you've got it down to the point where you've got 10 years left, then probably at that stage, it's going to be pretty hard to get that extension there. So move to another bank. Actually, I am working with an investor at the moment that is one of Tony Mounts's clients. And Tony Mounts. <laughs> Hi, it's Tony Mounts here. There, Sorry, <laughs> that's, the, that's the radio ad they used to do. Yeah, I love there's, it. A, there's a wee plug for, for them. And Tony and I were talking about ways to kind of help this investor figure out the way forward with his portfolio. And it's a really interesting portfolio. The guy's been doing this for years, really impressive size portfolio, and he's well into retirement. Well, actually, he's well into retirement, but he's age, but he's, he's working still very part-time. And Tony's still managed to find him another million dollars. What a beautiful thing. Non-bank lender. Well, actually, that's where using alternative lenders probably is appropriate once you start getting into that retirement. So for instance, let's say you're unable to get your interest only from a registered bank. I still think the 20 year interest only term from Resimac, where if you've got yes. a 50% LVR or less, so if you've been investing for a while, you can go interest only for 20 years. I mean, what a beautiful thing. And actually another scenario that I mentioned to Jason in the email flick back to him was some investors that I work with, they've got a plan to have a kind of a mini retirement in a few years time. So they're, I can't tell you exactly, I think maybe they're in their early 40s and they're going to take somewhere between three and five years off and go overseas. Oh, that's a nice idea. They're not going, don't get any ideas. They're not going to get interest only approved during that time. So what they're going to do is they're going to time their application for an interest only extension or their refinance. Before they go. Yeah, get it all set up and then go overseas. (laughs) Now, let me ask you, is the bank going to be unhappy because they're not disclosing that information? Look, I think... Don't tell your mortgage I believe, the, I believe the rules are like intent. Like you can say, well, I, I, you know, I, this is my plan. I'm going to do that. But if you've bought the tickets, you probably have to disclose that to the bank. If, you, if it's just something that's in the back of your mind, then it's not planned. Your honour. <laughs> <laughs> oh. 
I'm not their mortgage broker, so it's not, I don't know. Not personalised financial advice. <laughs> so let's talk now about the pros and cons of retiring with debt, because this is where it becomes a really interesting conversation. So I'll take the pros, you take the cons. The pro of retiring with some debt is you've still got leverage in your portfolio into retirement. So if you're retiring and you know potentially retiring at 40 or 30, like Angela did, I'm talking about here, and you've still got some debt, well, there's leverage there. That's going to mean that any capital gains that you receive are more meaningful. Now, what I mean by that is let's say that you retire and you've got $5 million portfolio, so really good portfolio, and you've got $2.5 million worth of debt. Well, if you retire with that debt, then you've got a $5 million portfolio. Any capital gains, sweet, it's based on $5 million worth of assets. Now, if you were to retire without any debt, you sell all of those properties down, and let's ignore sales costs just for the purpose of this, then you've got $2.5 million worth of assets with no debt on them. Well, any capital growth you get is then off $2.5 million worth of assets. So if you retire with some debt, you're retiring with a higher value worth of assets. Any capital growth beyond that, hey, that's going to be more because you've got more assets. So that tends to be, you're going to make more from any capital growth you receive on your portfolio. Now, that tends to be a better fit for somebody who's potentially younger is going to get the benefit of those capital gains. I'll talk more about that in a moment. Now, talk us through, Andrew, the cons of retiring debt, because there are some cons. So cons, firstly, your cash flow is going to be worse off if you carry debt because, well, you've got to pay interest to the bank. So often you'll reduce your debt and between now and retirement at some stage. And and as a result, you're going to pay less interest to the bank. So any surplus you can keep to yourself after you pay tax, of course. At a later stage in life, often people will pay debt down either by paying down their personal mortgage first and then moving to pay principal onto their investment properties or more often investors that I see will sell properties to reduce debt. So they'll just pay interest only as long as possible. And then when they get to a point where they want to pay down the debt, they'll sell one and pay off two, for example. I think one of the biggest things though, is just the control that your bank has, particularly around the sale proceeds. So again, you'll see, if you've listened to the show for a while, you've heard those horror stories where people have had a change in circumstances and retirement is one of those where you say, okay, well, you know, I think I've, I've got five rental properties. I just need to sell one and I'll use the cash from that. And then I'll keep the others for another five years. Well, the bank often will take that money. If you can no longer service all that debt, they'll take all those sale proceeds and make you pay down debt, which means that you might have to sell three to actually get any usable cash out rather than just the one. That's where being really structured and considerate, considered leading up to your retirement or semi-retirement is probably important. Now, let's talk about who carrying debt into retirement would be the right fit for, or who would tend to consider this? Now, I think someone who was younger, like Angela, who I, th- I think she said she was 37, it's popped out of my head. I think she retired at 34, now 37. Oh, I think she's younger than that. Oh, You're the trouble is she listens to the show, yeah. so she's going to tell me. Angela, send your hate mail to 5522, tell you got it wrong. So someone who is younger, because they still want capital growth. Let me give you an example. Let's say you retire at 35, and look, just, just to be really clear, we're not suggesting that retiring at 35 is normal at all. That's somebody who's really motivated and who started investing early. Let's say you do retire though really young like that. Well in 20 years you're still 55. You can enjoy the benefits of that capital growth. Well let's say you retire instead at 75. Well in 20 years time 
by the time you get around to enjoying the capital growth, you sell the property and you can spend the money. Well, you're 95. It becomes harder to spend that money and enjoy the benefits of that. I mean, you can, don't get me wrong. You can still have a lot of fun at 95, but you don't have as long to enjoy those benefits. So I think that's one side of it. The other side that's quite interesting is let's say that you're 35 and you've still got some debt. Well, if interest rates rise, well, that debt becomes unaffordable. What's the worst case scenario? Well, you're 40 and you can still go get a job. You can go start a career and manage that risk. Whereas let's say you're 75, interest rates rise, that debt becomes unaffordable. You just have fewer options. You don't have the ability to go get a job or start a business or find some other sources of income that you're then able to use in order to be able to afford that debt. So, you know, there is a risk element to that as well that you might like to consider. So that's why if we're talking in really crude terms, look, if you're a bit younger, you're more willing to take debt into retirement. If you're a bit older, you're probably less willing to take as much debt into retirement. Yeah. Is that pretty fair yeah, to say? Yeah, fair. Let's wrap it up there then, Andrew. But just to remind you, tonight is the night. We've got our monthly webinar and I'm so excited for it. What are we talking about, Andrew? We're talking about the things that can go wrong when buying a rental property. And how to avoid them. How I, like to avoid how you, them. I like how that was a test for me. Just to make sure you're listening. Yeah. Now, we're on to making our slides and I want to see you there. It'd be nice to see you. Now, come along because you're going to be able to chit-chat with all of your fellow podcast listeners in the comments section, which we always enjoy. I almost feel like sometimes that's where the real webinar happens because you're all having a good old laugh and chit-chat with each other. So make sure you come along, register, links in the show notes, or just go to opuspartners.co.nz. It's on 7pm tonight. listening to the Property Academy Podcast. I'm your host, Steve McKnight. I'm Andrew Nichol. And we're going to be back again tomorrow with even more daily strategies, tactics and insights to help you get the most out of the New Zealand property market. Until next time, 